with a message from God's Word, here's Charles Stanley. The Bible says that you and I have three things that we have to deal with. We have to deal with S-I-N-S, our sins, that is our acts of disobedience. We have to deal with S-I-N, that is the sin principle that, was, that is within us. And thirdly, we have to deal with our life here and now. And if you'll recall, in Romans chapter 5, he deals with most of these. But in that fifth chapter, if you'll notice there for just a moment, he says, Much more than having now been justified by his blood, verse 10 says, Then having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now watch this. Our S-I-N-S, the blood, takes care of that. The sin principle that you and I have to live with even after we are saved, the cross takes care of that. It is the resurrected life of Jesus Christ sitting at the Father's right hand, seated in the heavenlies, that sustains me, or as he says, keeps on saving me, so to speak, in this life here and now. So what I want to deal with today is this second part of these three truths, and that is, when Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, that deals with the sinner himself. That deals with the person himself. It's one thing for God to deal with my S-I-N-S. Somebody needs to deal with me. And the Bible says, whereas the blood dealt with my S-I-N-S, the cross deals with my person, that is myself. Now, I want you to listen to me carefully. My friend, if ever I have ever spoken the truth in all of my life, I am speaking it when I tell you this one thing. The life crucified, buried, and resurrected, and identified in Christ Jesus. And that's what all that is. Listen to me. This is the answer. This is the key. This is the solution to every single problem you have, barring none, period. And if you will listen to me carefully, and listen to God, not me. Ask God to open your spirit. Ask God to speak to your heart. Ask God to witness to you if I'm telling you the truth. If you will hear me clearly and apply what I'm going to show you, your life can never, never, never be the same. I don't care what you're facing, how deep and how long, how tragic, how difficult and how disgustingly and despairingly you may feel today. I want to tell you, I'm about to give you the answer to your problem, the solution to what you're facing. All right, listen. When a person has accepted by faith their identification of crucifixion, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, several things are going to happen. Number one, you're going to have a new attitude toward yourself. That's one of the first things that's going to happen. It will no longer be my life. What am I interested in? What pleases me? What satisfies me? Uh, uh, what do I need? Notice what Paul says. It is no longer I, but now Christ living within me. Because you see, once you and I understand what it means to be crucified with Christ, we also understand that the old life that was ours, even after you've been saved, not understanding that, and you begin to understand that you've really been crucified with him, what happens? The old life has been removed. He says, you and I have a brand new life. Once I am conscious and aware that I have a new life. 
that I don't have to live the life that I used to live because I now have Christ Jesus living within me. Remember what he said, it is expedient to you that I go away. If I go not away, the comforter will not come, but I'll, come. I'll send him. He'll be in you, with you, and upon you. And he said in the upper room in the 14th chapter of John, he says, I'm going to my father. And he says, you will be in me and I will be in you. I will live in you. And so Paul is saying, he says, the old soul of Tarsus was crucified. It's no longer I, Paul says, but now it's Christ Jesus living within me. And so, once I begin to see that it's no longer my life, but his life, that is the foundation of everything else I'm about to show you. Because, you see, once you can accept the fact, listen, your same old body, but a different life within you. God said that it's now Christ Jesus living his life in you, and so with a new life within you, a whole new life, you can expect changes. You can expect a difference. So you're going to have a whole different perspective about your life. What's going to happen is you're going to begin to understand what Paul said when he said, he says, you don't belong to you. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your mortal body because you're indwelt by the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The second thing that's going to become evident is this, and that is your relationship. You're going to have a new relationship with other people. Let me show you why. What you're going to do is you're going to begin to identify and get your personal identity and worth and self-esteem, so to speak, if we call it self-esteem, in your relationship to Jesus Christ and not others. How many people today are living with wholesale rejection all over them? Here's a husband who leans upon his wife and she rejects him for some reason. And what happens? His own sense of self-esteem goes down the drain. Here's a son or a daughter rejected by their parents, and they live with that rejection. Their identity is wrapped up in their parents. If their parents accept them, they're somebody. If their parents reject them, they're a nobody. And there are many people who grow up into adulthood and live their lives feeling rejected all of their life because they have been rejected by somebody with whom or in whom they had their self-identity. That is, they sort of soaked up. And that is, they, they, they leaned upon the other person, and they gleaned upon the other person. And as long as the other person accepted them, they were somebody. If they were rejected by the other person, they were nobody. And so their whole sense of self-identity came in a relationship with someone else. Listen, all of us are going to be rejected by somebody or many somebodies throughout life. God doesn't want our sense of identity wrapped up in people, but in the person of Jesus Christ, about whom he says... You and I have been accepted by God in the Beloved. That is, because of our relationship to Jesus Christ, we are somebody. Because of your relationship to Jesus Christ, you are a special somebody. Because of your relationship to Jesus Christ, it doesn't make any difference whether anybody else accepts you or not. You are somebody in the eyes of God. There's only one you. There will never be anybody else like you. You are God's child. You are God's servant. And your identity and your sense of self-worth and self-esteem is not wrapped up in any relationship with anybody else in this world. It is wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ himself. Your whole sense of identity, your relationships with other people are going to change because you're going to begin to allow Christ in all of his fullness, in all of his personhood, in all of his adequacy, in all of his worthiness, 
His life is going to begin to vibrate through this physical body of yours, and you're going to see yourself and your relationships with other people are going to begin to change. It's not that you're going to become proud, you're just going to begin to understand who you are. That this physical body of yours is indwelt by the Almighty God who hanged this world in space. The same God who created it all is now living within you. Paul says, not I. No longer I, not I, but Christ Jesus living within me. And the life which I now live, I live with the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, I have a new lifestyle. I'm thinking differently about me. I'm thinking differently about others. It is no longer I, but Christ. And that's why Paul could be rejected. Listen, there is nobody in Scripture who has ever been so rejected by so many other than Jesus Christ and Paul the Apostle. Everywhere he went, stoned, he was left dying in the streets of Lystra. He was mocked. The Jews got there before he arrived on the scene to criticize him. They were there when he left. They were there while he was there. They did everything in their power. If, any, if ever a person ever had a reason to feel rejected, the Apostle Paul, what does he say? He says, I'm crucified with Christ. You, rejecting a dead man doesn't faze him. He says, it's no longer I that live, but Christ Jesus living within me. Your relationships to other people are going to change. The third thing that's going to happen is this. You're going to begin to experience victory over habits and sins in your life of which you have been defeated over and over and over again. Look, if you will, in Romans chapter 6 for just a moment. And if you recall what he says in this sixth verse, and you should all know it by heart now, knowing this, that our old self, that is what we were before we were saved, was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should... Listen, and he says, here's the objective... That we, listen, that we should no longer serve sin. For he who has died is freed, listen, watch this, is freed from, from S-I-N, the sin principle, is freed from its enslaving power in our life. Listen, the sin principle is there and it's going to remain there until we leave these bodies. But what he's saying is this, in our crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection, to walk in newness of life, that is the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, Christ living within us, he says things are different. Before, listen, even after you were saved and your sins were forgiven, you still had a problem with S-I-N. All kinds of temptations, you can be saved and be enslaved. You can be saved and be in prison. You can be saved and be in bondage to all kinds of habits. Probably most believers today are still in bondage to something or something or somebody in life. And what I'm saying to you is that the crucified life, my friend, is God's avenue of freedom and liberty to break the shackles off of your life and to provide freedom and liberty over any and every single habit in your life. Why? Because now it is Christ Jesus living his life in you. The power of sin has been broken. It was broken at the cross. You and I have been identified in his death, buried and resurrected. We are now walking in newness of life and walking in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Therefore, listen, what sin cannot bind Jesus cannot bind you unless you choose to allow it to happen. Listen to me carefully. Here is one of the keys, and that is when you and I trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. He gave to you and to me the, the power to choose. When you and I understand the meaning of the crucified life, 
death, burial, and resurrection in Him, walking in newness of life, what we must remember is this, that we now have, living within us, the supernatural resurrected power of Jesus Christ, which means we have the power to choose death to anything that Satan throws at us, death to any sin, death to any habit that would enslave us, because, listen, before we understood it, when Satan would attack us, here's what we do. What am I going to do? I can't stand that. There's no way for me to overcome that. That is the response of the believer who does not know his position or the person who's living within him. That is the position of a person who has listened to Satan, who has believed Satan's lie, and who, and who is yielding to Satan's temptation and Satan's barrier. But when you understand who you are, just tell him, bring it on. Listen, if Jesus Christ can handle it, bring it on. He can handle anything Satan you can throw, bring it on. Listen to me carefully. It is the fact that we forget who we are that causes us to do this. When I realize who I am in Christ, that is the supernatural power of God. Sin's power in my life has been broken, crucified with Him, buried, resurrected, living in newness of life, seated in the heavenless. The power of God operating in my life because the power of the Holy Spirit is operating in my life through the presence of Jesus Christ. There isn't anything Satan can throw at you that Jesus Christ cannot defeat. Therefore, if we... Listen... Once you understand the crucified life and you're defeated, you have chosen to be defeated. You don't have to be defeated. You've chosen to be defeated. You choose sin. We choose death to anything Satan can throw at us. If I don't know who I am, if I don't know my position, if I don't know what I possess, if I don't know that Christ Jesus is living His resurrected, all-powerful life in me, I will yield to all kind of things and I'll rationalize and say, God, you knew I couldn't help it. Listen. That's why Paul says, no longer I, but now Christ Jesus living in me. Listen, is there anything Jesus can't help? Did Satan ever defeat him? Listen, every single time I choose Jesus to respond to temptation, I am victorious. And when I choose to respond to temptation in the flesh, and old Charles Stanley is going to handle it, down I go. He says, the power of sin has been broken. And one of the evidences and one of the blessings of the crucified life is what he says all through this chapter. Verse 7. He says he's died and freed from sin. Verse 11. Therefore consider yourselves to be dead to soot. The principle of sin, but alive unto God in Christ Jesus. That is, listen, what does he say? He says in the next verse. Stop. Stop presenting the members of your body to sin, to sin principles as instruments of unrighteousness. Now watch this. Watch this carefully. He's, listen. He says, stop presenting your members of your body as instruments of sin, of instruments of unrighteousness under the sin principle. Stop doing it. Now, if he says, stop doing it, what is he implying? That I am doing it. That is, I must, I must purposely yield to the sin principle, but I don't have to. Now, if I don't know that I don't have to, and somebody's told me that I've got to sin every day, and when Satan throws the big one at you, you're going down for sure, and if that's what I believe and what I know, I'm going to respond that way. But if I know who's living within me, and I know the power of God is living within me, and I know the supernatural power of God is active within my heart, and sin's power has been broken, and I'm crucified with Christ, and I have the power to choose death to that thing, whatever it might be, sin cannot defeat God's child. He says, stop presenting your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto death. Which means if I'm being defeated, it's because I'm being tempted. And what am I doing? 
If it's a temptation to do something wrong with my hand or think something wrong with my mind, I must present my member to sin in order. And what have I done? I have become enslaved to the sin principle. The sin principle has enslaved us over and over and over again because we thought we couldn't do any better. And the truth is you can't. That's why he says it's not a self-improvement. It is a self-replacement. It is now Christ living within me, his life. I can't ever do any better. That's why he said he crucified the old self to live his life within me because the only hope of victory I have is Jesus living his sanctified, holy, glorified life in and through you and me. That's our only hope. Every single one of us have crashed and burned a thousand times in our own self-effort. Amen? I mean, the smoke's been twirling up to heaven all of our life. Crashing and burning. All right, listen to what he said. Not only is that true, but when you and I begin to understand what it means to live crucified before him, there is going to be an, abandon, an abandonment of our rights. That is, we're going to abandon our rights. Now, watch what I'm saying carefully. The crucified life says, I have yielded my right to meet my needs my way. And that means I am willing to give the Lord Jesus Christ, who is my life, the privilege and the right to meet my needs, whatever my needs are, physically, materially, emotionally, spiritually, I have given him the right to meet my needs in his way, in his timing, whether I like it his way or not. Now, we all have needs. We all have five senses. We all have appetites. We've got physical appetites, sexual appetites, emotional appetites, mental appetites. We've got all kinds. And we will either attempt to meet those in God's way or our way. If we're in the flesh, we're going to attempt to meet them when we please the way we choose. If we're walking in the spirit that is Christ Jesus living his life within us, we are willing, if we understand the message of crucifixion, we are, we are willing to claim our crucifixion, our, our death, our burial, our resurrection. Sit in the heavens in Christ Jesus and the Christ who lives within me. He is indeed adequate because he knows my needs. He will meet my needs exactly the way he wants them met. And there's so many people today who said, but if you just knew I, I, I've got needs and I need somebody to meet my needs and you don't understand my needs, you're right, I don't. But I want to tell you, God does. And my friend, listen, when you and I are willing to accept our crucifixion, our death, and our resurrection, the Lord Jesus Christ, friend, that you know what happens? God assumes the responsibility of meeting your needs exactly the way he knows you need them. But the question is, am I willing to abandon my rights and let him do it his way? I want to tell you something. That will be one of the most freeing liberating decisions you have ever made in your life. You could make a more freeing, liberating decision than that. Okay, God. I'm giving you all my rights. Whatever you give back, fine. Whatever you don't give back, fine. I'm just giving it to you. You know what that does? Think about what that does. What you're doing is you're telling the Almighty God, who is the sovereign of this universe and omnipotent in all things and all ways, you're saying, God, okay, I'm turning it over to you. You're my attorney. If, I, I'm just trusting you to, to be my defense. and I, I'm just going to trust you to take care of everything. Let me ask you something. Could you put it in better hands than that? Well, you only have two choices. And that's to keep it in your hands or to put it in his hands. Abandon your rights. 
and let God deal with your defense. Listen. Next thing I want you to notice is that you will indeed begin to experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in your daily life and in your service toward him. And so many times Paul refers to the resurrection power. He says, he says, I've, he says, I've cast everything else in my life aside, all of my heritage and everything, in order to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Listen, most believers, let's face it, most believers are operating out of the flesh. Because what they do is they serve the Lord out of experience, based on education, based on their gifts, or their talents, or their abilities, or on their experience. And so we say, so, oh, I can take care of that. I'll, I'll handle that, no problem. I'm experienced in that area. You know what he says? He says he doesn't want us operating out of ourselves. He wants us operating out of Christ. He says, because you see, that's why he crucified us, buried us, resurrected us to, see, to be seated in the heavens in Christ Jesus. And this physical body that is here on earth today, indwelt by the presence of Jesus Christ and filled with his Holy Spirit, you and I are not to serve God out of our own fleshly nature and experience. Because you see what that gets? It doesn't get anything. When you and I are serving the Lord out of the flesh, we are serving him out of our ability and our talent and our experience. What we have to give is what we have to offer. And friend, the truth is we don't have anything in proof that all you've got to do is go back and read Ephesians chapter 2. Indulging in the lust of the flesh, wandering around in this world, according to the systems of this world, according to the, according to the ways the world operates, Satan being in charge. We don't have anything to offer anybody. Listen, that's why Jesus says, it is expedient for you that I go away. If I go away, I will send the Holy Spirit who will be in you, with you, and upon you. And he says, and I will live in you and through you with him. It isn't our life, it's his life. And it is only as I choose, listen, it is only as I choose Jesus to respond in my life in any given situation, can anything with any eternal value at all come from this life. And most of God's children, teaching Sunday school, preaching sermons, singing in the choirs, uh, working on committees, you name it, what are they doing? They're operating out of the flesh. But Jesus says, He came to indwell us in order that, listen, that these physical bodies of ours may be living, walking, pulsating, dynamic, empowered expressions of the life of God on earth. It is Christ Jesus walking around in this body. And therefore, we don't have to say, well, this is too big and we can't do this. We don't ever have to see anything too big for us because it is no longer I, Paul says, but Christ Jesus living within me. Let me ask you a question. Was anything ever too hard for him? Anything Jesus couldn't handle? Did he ever get upset because he couldn't handle a situation? You see, when we choose to respond from the Christ who is within us, it is no longer my response. It is no longer my strength and my wisdom and my knowledge. It is that of God. And that's what he's talking about when he says, I'm crucified with Christ. No longer I that live, but Christ Jesus lives within me. Somebody says, no, wait a minute. If you're talking about Christ living within us, does that mean we just sort of... If it's all Jesus and none of me, we just fold our hands and just tell them to send us the paycheck. Is that what we're talking about? No. Two good examples. Did Jesus just sit around? He was busy. Apostle Paul just sit around and do nothing, fold his hands and expecting Rome to send him a government check? No. 
He didn't do that. Paul was a busy man, but you know what he was busy doing? He was busy with things that had eternal value to them. All right, listen. The next thing you can look for is freedom from destructive pressures and stresses. Now, watch that. Freedom from destructive pressures and stresses. Now, there are always going to be little pressures in our life, and if there are no pressures at all, we wouldn't get up and get motivated sometimes. So there's going to be some pressures and some stresses, but notice I said the destructive pressures, the destructive stresses in our life. Most beautiful example that I know is by Hudson Taylor, who was the uh, missionary in inland China. And um, first time I ever discovered anything at all about all this, I read a little book entitled, They Found the Secret. Twenty short biographical sketches, the first one was about him. And I remember reading in his little biographical sketch something he said. He said, he was under the pile, letter on top of letter, all the responsibility of the mission, all kinds of news, so many bad news from villages and letter after letter. He said he never knew whether to have enough money or not. What was happening here? The missionaries were fussing among themselves and on and on. He said he was just under it. All the letters he wrote home were letters of defeat. Total defeat, wiped out in defeat. Said he was wiped out with temptation, wiped out with defeat. I mean, he was under the load, under the pile, in the pits. One of his missionary friends wrote him a letter. And in the letter, he asked him a question. He said, Hudson, he said, when you think about Jesus, he says, is there any furrow on his brow? That is, is he worried? Is Jesus anxious? Is he wrinkled in the brow because he doesn't know what's going to happen next if he's going to have enough? Is he concerned about all the mail and all the mission? Is he worried about all these things? He said, no. And he said, Hudson, he said, when your life becomes Jesus' life, you won't be worried either because you said, you see, he said, it'll be no longer Hudson. But it'll be Jesus, and you couldn't ever swamp him with mail or problems. God changed Hudson Taylor's life. Here's what he said later on in writing. He said the circumstances were the same. Now watch this carefully, because if you think God's going to change your circumstances instantaneously, he's not going to do it. If he did, he'd defeat his own purpose. Now watch this. He said circumstances were the same. He said the mail was just as great, if not greater. The problems were greater, if, uh, uh, probably greater than ever before. Nothing changed, he says, but here's the difference. He said, now, whereas before I was fretting and wrestling, now I'm resting and trusting and calm and peace and quiet on the inside. You know why? Because on one of those days, Hudson Taylor, by faith, died. And the old Hudson Taylor that had been crucified 2,000 years ago by experience... Hudson Taylor accepted his position in Christ Jesus as crucified, dead, buried, resurrected, walking in newness of life. And they said of Hudson Taylor when he came to the mission to speak one Sunday, it was a different Hudson Taylor. Sure it was. It was now Christ Jesus speaking and living and answering that mail, facing those problems and taking care of the missionaries. No longer worried, but just resting in him. Trusting in him. All right. 
The next thing I want you to notice, and I've indicated that in this last one, and that is a restful reliance upon Christ for everything. You see, if you and I understand that it's Christ's life and not our life, you know what that says? It says that, that what we are doing is we are allowing Him to come into our life and possess and live within us so that we really are His life now. This is His life. This physical body in which our personality and our disposition is still dwelling, it's His life. It's, did He not say, no you're not, that you're not your own? You're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. It's Christ living within us. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's not ours. So this is an expression of Christ living here on earth. And if that be true, then there's going to be a restfulness in us when we understand who we are. And listen, whose responsibility it is. And sometimes we heap upon ourselves the burdens and the, and the cares. And, 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 and today just making a living is a big care. Let me ask you something. Don't you think Jesus knows about what it takes to make a living at your house? Don't you know that he knows what it takes at your house to make things right and to build a beautiful relationship? He says, you know, listen, here's the thing I've noticed. There are more Christian books on the market today. I mean, you name it, and there are books on top of books on top of books on top of books to tell you how to do it. Had all to be done. The solution to your problem, and you know what? I know a lot of folks who read a lot of books, and they still have the same old problem. And not only that, they still have the same old defeats. I want to tell you something. There isn't but one answer. I've never been more convinced in my life there's not but one answer. And the answer is not me improving myself. I want to tell you something. I can give you a testimony. I've read all those books. I'm not saying I've read all the books. But I've read most of the books all about success and self-improvement and all those things. And, and so many Christian books on here's the answer to this and here's the answer to that. And books on the home and books on the Christian life and how to do this and how to do that. And how... There isn't but one answer. The answer is crucifixion. That's the only answer. Because you know what all the other books are saying? Here's how to improve yourself or your circumstances. And friend, this body, this old life wasn't created for improvement, but replacement, crucified. Crucified, that's what he said, crucified, not replaced, crucified, not improved, crucified. I've been through the books, read the books, point after point after point, applying this, applying that, principle after principle, all these things. And, and in fact, I was reading the other day, and I was, I was reading all this, these things this fellow said that you had to do to be a man that God can use. And when I got through, I thought, God, there's no way, there's no, there's no way for me to do all that. Just to remind me, that's right. Because you see, it is not I, Paul said, but Christ Jesus living with them. And now watch me carefully. Are you going to miss out on the most important thing? Because it's going to be so simple, you're going to say, well now, I'm waiting for some startling statement. I'm not going to give you a startling statement. Listen, God didn't hide this for the 20th century. It's been there for 2,000 years. Listen, not only is there going to be a rest, but something else is going to happen. There is going to be a sustained joy and peace. A sustained joy and peace. Not peaceful when everything is going my way. Joyful when things are settled the way I want them. But there's going to be a sustained joy. I don't mean you're not going to have any troubles. I don't mean that you're not going to be driven to God. But you see, it's one, listen, it's one thing to have a burden from God. It's something else to have one that I put on myself. The Bible says that God has declared to you and to me, 
He says, he will keep us in perfect peace whose eyes are stayed on thee. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose eyes are stayed on thee. Notice what he said. He said, he would keep us in perfect peace, sustained. We read that we can have peace if we do the following things. No. He says, sustained. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose eyes are focused on him, fixed on him. Do you think it's any blessing to God for Christians to walk around in defeat? Tired, weary, worn out, living in one defeat after the other, wondering why in the world God doesn't do something? Listen, you know why a lot of lost folks don't get saved? Because they look at us. And their response on the inside is, I've already got enough problems I can't stand anymore. And if being a Christian is going to put one more burden on me, if being a Christian is going to put one more responsibility on me, if being a Christian is going to weight me down just a little bit further, I can't take being a Christian if that's what it's going to take. And you see, that's never what Jesus intended. What did Jesus say? He said, I'm come that men might have life and have it abundantly. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and the heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And you see, today, we don't have to go anywhere. We have the rest and the peace within us. It is Christ Jesus. Listen, if you'll notice what Jesus said, he said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. And then he said, Paul put it this way, he said, Jesus is your peace. So where does our peace come? By heavenly mail, just in the nick of time, we are facing some crises? No. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is my peace and he's living within me so that I have it any and every moment I choose to appropriate it by faith. It's mine. Here's the problem. We have been so wrongly taught most of our lives. God in heaven will send this to me down here. It's not that. It is within me. Christ Jesus, his life within me is my hope, my help, and my victory. Now listen, watch this next one carefully. When you and I understand what it means to live crucified, now watch this carefully, there will be a leveling of our Christian life. Now write that down, a leveling of our Christian life. And let me show you what I'm talking about. Even after you were saved, you discovered after a while, didn't take you very long, that some days things are just great. The next days, you took a nosedive. Next two or three days, you went up again. Three or four days went by, down you went again. So, in fact, you would like for it to have been like the hobby horses, you know, up a little bit and down a little bit. That wouldn't have been too bad. You ride those at the circus, it's up and down a little bit. But most of us, we started out on the roller coaster, not on the hobby horses. Great blessings and then what? Nosedive and crash. And so it's just like the roller coaster, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Victory today, defeat tomorrow. Defeat, defeat, defeat. Victory, victory, wonderful. Looks like I'm going to get it. Defeat the next day. Kept living and hoping that one of these days we'd find something that would keep us on the mountaintop. Well, listen to two things I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you anything that's going to make your up and down roller coaster life flat, just like that, like a smooth, glassy lake. My friend, that's not the Christian life in a world that's so opposed to God. But I can tell you this. What God begins to do, he begins to level the thing up. You're never going to get to the place that you just live on one plane all of your life. But I'm saying that those crucial, critical roller coaster rides as a way of life 
will begin to level out because you see when Jesus Christ becomes your life, your attitude toward yourself changes, your attitude toward others change. You begin to rest in him. You begin to live in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. The power of sin's broken in your life. You begin to exercise the power in your life to do what? To, say, to, to choose death to what Satan throws at you. And what happens? He levels it out. One other thing I want you to notice. And that is when you and I begin to exercise the life that he's provided for us. When Paul said, a whole new lifestyle. Now he says, I live my life by faith. What is it? He says, we are complete in him. In Colossians, he says it very, very beautifully in the Living Bible Translation. But listen to American Standard. He says, in verse 9. For in him that is in Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. That is, when Jesus walked in this world, he said all the fullness of deity, Father, Son, the Spirit, was alive within him. Listen. Now watch this. And in him, in this same Christ, you have been... Listen. In this same Christ who indwells you, you have been, past tense, finished action, you have been made complete. You know what that means? It means, my friend, that everything you and I need, watch this, everything you and I need, every need of our life, every hunger, every thirst, every yearning of the spirit, every ache of the soul, he says that the Christ Jesus who lives within us makes us complete. Because, in the way the Living Bible uh, says it, I think, in these particular verses, so he says, because when you have Christ, you have everything. That is, you're complete in him. Now watch this. Here's the key. The Bible says, every believer has been, now watch this carefully. Every believer has been identified in the crucifixion of Christ, his burial and his resurrection seated at the Father's right hand in heavenly places. That's what he says positionally. Experientially, how do we enter into that relationship to glean and to profit from and to experience the ten things that I've shared with you, every single one of which is absolutely the truth by experience and by the word. How do we do that? All right, I've shared this with you before, but I want you to listen one more time because I want to add something to it. Until you're willing to come to the conclusion in your life that you have failed as a Christian, and if you get real honest, it won't take you but about 15 seconds to figure that one out. You failed. It may be that most of us would have to say, not only have I failed being a Christian, but I failed at being a father or a mother or the kind of son or daughter I ought to be, the kind of friend I should be, the kind of employee I should be or employer. But I failed. I failed as a student. I just failed being what I ought to be, doing what I ought to do. Secondly, I've been at the center of my life because the primary thing I've been interested in in my life is myself. I've been meeting my own needs, whether they were physical needs, emotional needs, intellectual needs. I have been meeting them my way. Especially when I thought God wasn't particularly interested in what I needed. I've been meeting my own needs my way. So I admit God that I'm a failure. I've really been at the center of my life. I know Jesus has been there, but I've been running this show. I've been meeting my needs my own way and being sure that I got them met in the, in the way that suited me best.
And then ask God to bring, listen carefully, to bring to your mind, listen carefully, ask God to bring to your mind the areas of your life in which you are continually suffering defeat. It may be procrastination. It may be a critical tongue. It may be lust, whether it's lust for money, lust for sex, or whatever it might be. It may be dishonesty. It may be some physical habit that you have. It may be some enslaving problem in your life that has dogged you since, since you can remember. Something that you hate, but you still participate in. Something that you despise, but it has a grip on your life. Something you want to be freed from, but you're entrapped by today. Now listen. When God brings those things to your mind, you, here's what you do. You say, Father, on the authority of thy word, you said when Jesus was crucified, I was crucified. Buried, resurrected, seated at the Father's right hand. And now walking in the midst of life. I accept that by faith. By faith, I accept my crucifixion, Christ Jesus living within me, and I accept this new life which is mine in him. Beginning now, as God brings these things to your mind, let's say, for example, he brings to your mind the deep then inside that you're continuously being deceitful about things. You just tell him, Father, I choose death to deceit my life. I choose death to sensuality in my life. I choose death to greed in my life. As God brings these things up, you have the power. Because sin's power has been broken. You have the power because of the presence of the living Christ to choose death to any and every and all things that God brings to your mind. By faith, you tell him that you're accepting your position as crucified. This new life of Christ Jesus within you. And that you, by faith, will choose on a day-to-day -day basis, because of who you are, you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will choose death to anything and everything that Satan brings to your mind and your way that would defeat you, destroy you, hinder you in your life, your walk, and your service to God. And tell him that you're accepting, by experience, by faith, your position, crucified, buried, resurrected, and walking, listen, walking now in a newness of life in the resurrected power of Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you something. If you are willing to go to God, and put that in your own words, but all that's necessary, God will begin to work these ten things in your life. He'll begin to work them in your life. And the moment you tell him by faith, you're accepting your position, crucified, resurrected to walk in newness of life. It will be just as definite, just as definite a decision as the day when you said, Lord Jesus, I do accept you as my Savior and my Lord. And from this day on, by your divine guidance or help or whatever you prayed, I want to live for you. That was a life-changing, eternal decision in your life. I want to tell you something. If you will face the Lord Jesus Christ in the same way with the crucified life, God will do more dramatically in your present life and that which follows than he did the day you were saved. Especially 
if you were saved as a child. And listen, Paul says, I have a new life. It's Christ's life. Now watch this. He says, I have a new lifestyle. It is no longer I. Christ Jesus living in me. And what's the lifestyle? The lifestyle now is, I'm living my life on a day-to-day -day basis, decision-by-decision basis, situation-by-situation basis, by faith. And that is, I choose that Jesus respond to my situation. I choose death to that temptation. I choose death to that remark. I choose death to that rejection. I choose death to that insinuation. I choose death to an ugly response to that comment. It is an act of faith as definite and deliberate as being saved. And notice what I said. And thereafter, you have to keep making choices. It isn't something that happens once and for all and forget it. What it is, it's the door. The crucified life is the door into a life of walking victoriously in the Spirit, whereby by faith you begin to exercise the life that is yours and the power that is yours in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friend, I've been defeated again and again and again and again in my life. In just about every area that any of you have been defeated in, I'm going to tell you something. There isn't but one answer. And the answer is not improvement. It's replacement. Crucifixion. And resurrection. By experience is the only answer. And my heart's desire, above every desire of my heart, is that all of you here and all of you there would by faith accept that position in him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for loving us and being so patient and kind. How often we have operated out of ignorance. We have blamed the devil, you and others, for our wrong responses. We've defended ourselves and wanted others to defend us. We haven't just made mistakes, we've sinned against you. We've plucked off a whole lot of fruit, only to look and see that the fruit is back again because we had not dealt with the root problem of the sin principle within us. And Lord, in the age in which we live, so many of us have heard so many things that looked good that appeared to be good, that appeared to have the answer, when all along, just what Paul said from the very beginning, as godly a man as he was, if there was only one answer for him, surely there's only one answer for us, and that's Christ Jesus living his life in us. A new lifestyle of faith, just trusting him. And Father, my heart's desire today, above every desire of my soul, my spirit, my life, is that these simple but life-changing, profound, and yet understandable truths, which I have repeated again and again and again, until they become rooted in the hearts and minds of the hearers. Father, 
my prayer today. Because I know there are a lot of folks here and a lot of folks out yonder who are listening and watching, who are suffering, who are hurting. Who are living in defeat, enslaved by so many things. Father, today in Jesus' name, I want to ask you to grant large host of people. To grant this entire congregation. To grant to every single listener and viewer. Every member of this fellowship. Oh, Father, such a hunger in his and her heart that they will have heard what has been shared. And in this coming week, somewhere, on their knees, by themselves, before the open word of God, accept by faith their crucifixion, their burial, the resurrection to walk in the midst of life. And begin on a daily basis, moment by moment, to choose Christ's response. Death to everything that Satan would throw at them. And Father, I know the victorious spirit in which they live will become the dynamic of their testimony and their witness. And it will be said of them, it was as, as it was said of Hudson Taylor, that when he came to the chapel that morning, he was a different man. And Father, when they go to the office on one morning, somebody will know she's a different gal. He's a different fellow. They won't know why, but it won't take them long to see Christ in their countenance, in their conversation, in their conduct in the office, at school, or at home. And I want to thank you that I don't have to pray, Father, if it's thy will. I know it's your will. You willed it. You predestinated it. And we praise you for the privilege of proclaiming it this morning. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley, speaker on the InTouch television and radio broadcasts. To order additional copies of this message, or for a catalog listing available video and audio copies of other messages by Dr. Stanley, call toll-free 1-800-323-3747, or place an order online when you visit our website at intouch.org. If you prefer to write for more information, our mailing address is InTouch, Box 7900, Atlanta, Georgia, 30357. If outside the USA, please contact your local InTouch office. This has been a production of InTouch Ministries, Atlanta, Georgia.